Welcome to Kaya, the college and young adult ministry of Midtown Baptist Temple, a ministry seeking to pursue a deeper faith in Jesus Christ through God's word, fellowship, and prayer. So yes, um, Brandon and Eva and their family are on a much deserved and earned and needed probably vacation. Um, so I think, is Eric, you're preaching next week? Oh, well, there's some guest speakers for a week or two, um, but they'll be back, don't worry. Um, of all weeks, this is probably the best time to try to text your Bible study leader instead of Brandon about things. Just try to give him some peace on his vacation. All right, but if you guys want to be turning to 1 Corinthians 10, that's where we're going to be. Um, you know, just a, a very good partner passage to Philippians 2, where a lot of our Bible studies are, where Sam's preaching right now, and that's where we're going to be. Uh, my name is Uriah Ginther, if you don't know me. Uh, and then we'll get started. So, um, just a little background of what we're going to be talking about. The children of Israel are God's chosen people. Uh, we can learn a lot from their stories in Scripture. Some of them are warnings that we um, acknowledge but don't always take seriously. Uh, there were times when thousands of those children, God's chosen people, thousands of those people, God slew. They were killed for all kinds of reasons, but for grotesque and unrepentant and blatant sin, for hearts passionate about their own desires. Um, now God's, you know, most likely not going to drop a giant boulder on this church and, and kill a bunch of us right now. We're in a different dispensation, so if you're sweating, maybe stop, but, but we, need to, we need to wake up. The passions of our heart matter, and we need to find out what, what our passions really are. And so I'm going to pray again, thanks Joel, um, and we'll get started. But God, we do just love you, and we pray that, um, Lord, you would speak to us, that you would soften our hearts, and that your Holy Spirit would do the work, um, that he would teach us, that you would teach us, and guide us, and show us where in our lives um, needs more of you and less of us. Um, God, would you um, just do your work today, and and put me aside, like Joel said. Uh, we love you, we thank you, and Jesus, we pray. Amen. So, starting out in verse 1, it says, Moreover, brethren. Moreover just means all that and besides everything I've just said, and because that, and also with that. And so, you know, we're not going to do it right now, but you need to go back and read chapters 1 through 9 to figure out what else the message was about. But moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. So there's something that Paul doesn't want us to not understand, to not, not deal with before we move on. Everything's been going on, but I don't want you to be ignorant of this thing. So we'll continue on. What is that? How that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea and were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea and did all eat the same spiritual meat and did all drink the same spiritual drink. For they drank of that spiritual rock that followed them, and that rock was Christ. So he doesn't want us to be ignorant. He doesn't want us to miss this. We read the same Bible, right? All of us here together, we all are, are reading the Bible. 
right? We were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. We pray to the same God. We praise and worship, and we've experienced him in our lives. We passed through the sea. We've, we've seen the cloud and the sea. We sit under the same pastors. We hear the same sermons. We sit in the pews together. We're eating the same spiritual meat. We're a group of people who ought to be unified together in one mind, the mind of Christ. Amen? As a body, we seek to follow our rock, Jesus Christ. As a body, we seek to build on his foundation. All right, so you see how when Paul is framing this thing to not be ignorant of, the things that he says about our fathers, the Jews, the things that he says about them, all sitting under, under, the, under Moses, all, all eating the same spiritual meat, all drinking the same spiritual drink, all following Jesus Christ, their rock, we can see how we can draw parallels to that group of people. Right? That's kind of what I just did. But we're doing the same thing that they were doing picturally, spiritually. Um, that was a picture for what we're doing now. Right? They were sitting under the preaching. They were, they were experiencing the, the meat from, from the Lord. He was providing the manna. The Lord provides us the word of God. They were, I don't need to keep going on that. You get it, I hope. So we see that he's describing a group of people that we can relate to. What does he want us to think? What is the Spirit trying to say to us? What does the Spirit not want us to be ignorant of? And so key point number one, beware of getting too comfortable to take heed to the warnings of Scripture. Continuing on, verses five and six. But with many of them, that group of people, God was not well pleased, for they were overthrown in the wilderness. Now these things were our examples, to the intent we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. And so comparing scripture with scripture is how we allow the Bible to tell us a complete story, right? There is a complete story here, but we know as we study the Bible that other parts of the Bible are going to give a little bit different side of the story, maybe a different view, and we can get more information about what God's saying by comparing scripture with scripture. And so with that, we're going to be turning to Psalm 78. And all these are going to be up there, I hope. Um, I tried to do that for you, but you might have to use your Bible as well. I apologize for that. So Psalm 78, starting in verse 10. So it's talking about this same group of people. They kept not the covenant of God and refused to walk in his law and forgot his works and his wonders that he had shewed them. Marvelous things did he in the sight of their fathers, in the land of Egypt, in the field of Zon. He divided the sea and caused them to pass through, and he made the waters to stand as an heap. In the daytime also he led them with a cloud, and all the night with a light of fire. He clave the rocks in the wilderness and gave them drink out of, as out of the great depths. He brought streams also out of the rock and caused waters to run down like rivers, and they sinned yet more against him by provoking the Most High in the wilderness, and they tempted God in their heart by asking meat for their lust. So there's that word again. Paul and Asaph, who's the writer of Psalm 78, are doing the Lord's work. They're reciting history in order to unite the current people in front of them, taking the word of God and preaching it to the group of people. Christ desires that same thing for us here today. What is it that broke the unity of that people? What is it that that group of people 
chose lust instead of remembering Christ? What is the lessons we must learn? What was the lust? What, what can't we be ignorant of? So continuing on in, in Psalm 78, verse 19. Yea, they spake against God. They said, can God furnish a table in the wilderness? Behold, he smote a rock that the waters gushed out and the streams overflowed. Can he give us bread also? Can he provide flesh for his people? Therefore the Lord heard this and was wroth. So a fire was kindled against them, against Jacob. And anger also came up against Israel because they believed not in God and trusted not in his salvation. Though he had commanded the clouds from above and opened the doors of heaven and had rained down manna upon them to eat and had given them of the corn of heaven, man did eat angels' food. He sent them meat to the full. He caused an east wind to blow in the heaven and by his power he brought the south wind. He rained flesh also upon them as dust and feathered fowls like as the sand of the sea. And he let it fall in the midst of their camp round about their habitations. So they did eat and were filled, for he gave them their own desire, their own desire. They were not estranged from their lust. They hadn't separated themselves from their lust. God gave it to them. But while their meat was yet in their mouths, the wrath of God came upon them and slew the fattest of them and smote down the the chosen men of Israel. For all this they sinned still and believed not for his wondrous works. Therefore his days, therefore their days did he consume in vanity and their years in trouble. When he slew them, then they sought him and they returned and inquired early after God. And they remembered that God was their rock and the high God their redeemer. The people at some point had decided that, yeah, church, church is cool. I like coming to church. I like being at church. It's great that I can pray and God hears me. It's awesome that I can just pray anywhere and the Spirit interprets for me. It's great that I'm saved and now I don't have to worry about going to hell. That's awesome. So I really care, I have time to care more about myself now. Because God took care of that spiritual part for me, so now I can take a seat and I can do whatever I want because ultimately I don't have much to worry about now. You might never outwardly say this, but when a Christian chooses his own lusts over Christ, he has esteemed other souls to be of no worth. Key point number two, when you make your relationship with God arbitrary, your own desires become perilous. Um, I could say it a different way. If, If you find yourself thinking more about what you want in life than what Jesus has commanded, go back to the source, you've lost your way. It's not what it's supposed to be like. Aren't we supposed to be dead? Wasn't that a part of what we did at salvation? I die and let Christ live through me? Aren't we supposed to be dead? Wasn't that a part of the deal? Since when does it matter what I wanted? Since when is it about my desire or my opinion or my lust? Why does that even have a place in the equation? I'm supposed to be dead. Galatians 2, 18 through 21. For if I build again the things that which I destroyed, I make myself a transgressor. For I through the law am dead to the law that I might live unto God. I am crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. 
In the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. I do not frustrate the grace of God. For if righteousness came by the law, then Christ is dead in vain. Christ is supposed to be living in us. If we've accepted him into our hearts, Christ is supposed to be living in us. I was crucified with him. Do I seriously believe that Christ, if he's living in me, would be choosing himself or my lusts over obedience to the Father? We can look at Christ's life and see that that was never true. That was never true of Christ. He never chose what he wanted over God the Father's will. So if that's true in your life, what does that mean? Does that mean Christ is living through you? And, uh, you know, every sermon needs Hebrews 4.12 in there, so. For the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the dividing asunder of soul and spirit and of the joints and marrow and is a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. So it, it might not be as fun to hear this it might not, it could be lackluster uh, to hear that the answer is the word of God. You know, every time you hear a problem or a story, you know, well, the word of God's the answer. You might have become bored with hearing that, but the word of God is your source for everything worth living in life. It is absolutely your answer right now. No matter what you're going through, the word of God is your answer. This book is everything. 1 Corinthians 10, let's get back to what we're talking about. Verse 7, I'll, I'll, the end of 6 says, Now these things were our examples to the intent that we should not lust after evil things as they also lusted. So verse 7. Neither be ye idolaters as, as were some of them. As it is written, the people sat down to eat and drink and rose up to play. Neither let us commit fornication as some of them committed and fell in one day three and twenty thousand. Neither let us tempt Christ, as some of them also tempted and were destroyed of serpents. You can see that in Numbers 21, 5 through 9. Neither murmur ye, as some of them also murmured and were destroyed of the destroyer. Now all these things happened unto them for in samples, and they are written for our admonition, upon whom the ends of the world are come. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. So, so what's the warning? What's the example we're learning from? Remember, Paul is writing this, and Asaph wrote it, and the Holy Spirit wants us to get this. Do I think that I'm standing? Right? When you consider your life, do you, do you think that you're standing? Do I think that I'm standing? What's my estimation of myself? Because the ends of the world are come, and we don't have time for ignorance. Don't be ignorant of this. If you think that you're standing, take heed lest you fall. Um, Galatians 3. O foolish Galatians, who hath bewitched you, that ye should not obey the truth, before whose eyes Jesus Christ hath been evidently set forth. He was set forth with evidence, crucified among you. This only what I learn of you. Received ye the Spirit by the works of the law or by the hearing of faith? Are ye so foolish? 
having begun in the Spirit, are ye now made perfect by the flesh? At what point, at what point did our physical actions in our physical flesh ever bring righteousness to our account? When did we ever do anything in our flesh that was worthy of of goodness in God's eyes? There was never a point. That's why Jesus Christ had to die. That's why when we go back to that, it frustrates the grace of God because Jesus Christ died for a reason. And, And to live contrary to that, it's like he shouldn't have needed to die anyways. We get into trouble when message after message, we start to see our conviction and miss the charge. Once convicted, our response cannot be, man, I just need to obey. Yeah, I just have to read the Bible more. I've got to start praying every night. Do you you hear what you're saying? What I'm saying when I do that? We're saying that every day I will wake up and make the choice to obey. That's great. It's very valiant of us. But the power and ability to obey Jesus Christ comes only from putting your flesh to death. It comes only from every day climbing up onto the cross and mortifying our flesh so that Christ can live live in us. We can't choose to do better in our flesh. We have to choose every day to start by being dead and letting Christ live in us. We have to understand that you can do nothing. John 5.30, Jesus said it. I can do of my own self nothing. Key point three. Every day must be a day we die and let Christ live through us. Think about it. If Christ is living through you, wouldn't you be a pretty good discipler? Right? If, if I'm abiding desperately in the Word of God and in prayer seeking diligently after Him, wouldn't I be giving pretty good counsel? If it's Christ's words coming from my lips, what, what were, you know, what, why do I need to obey better if it's Christ who's obeying? We can't just keep trying to polish the flesh because it's, it's polishing turds, right? And ultimately, at the end of the, end of the day, it's still a, a turd. It doesn't matter how shiny it is. I'm a plumber. I, I deal with turds all day, every day. There's never anything good about it besides getting it out of the way so your toilet flushes better. It's weird how many of you amen at that. <laughs> 2 Corinthians 3, um, verses 4 and 5. And such trust have we through Christ to Godward, that we are sufficient, not that we are sufficient of ourselves to think anything as of ourselves, but our sufficiency is of God. So in 1 Corinthians 10, let's, let's kind of jump down to verse 21. Ye cannot drink the cup of the Lord and the cup of devils. Ye cannot be partakers of the Lord's table and of the table of devils. Do we provoke the Lord to jealousy? Are we stronger than he? All things are lawful for me, but all things are not expedient. All things are lawful for me, but all things edify not. Whether therefore ye eat or drink, Or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. 
Give none offense, neither to the Jews, nor to the Gentiles, nor to the church of God, even as I please men, please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of many, that they may be saved. A self-focused Christian will avoid, dodge, and shirk this caliber, this caliber of soulful examination at all costs. This message isn't to me. This would be really good for my disciple. Or I can think of a really good, a really good person in this time that would really need to hear this. A self-focused Christian thinks that. I think it all the time, right? I, please believe me, I'm preaching to myself here. But how often do we just pass on a message because we think it's not for us, rather than, than sitting with it and asking God, why have, you, why have you brought me to church today, and why have you sat me under these words? What did you want me to get from this? Galatians 4.1, now I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, where if you're saved, you're a son of God, right? I say that the heir, as long as he is a child, differeth nothing from a servant, though he be Lord of all. So what does this mean to you? What have, what have you made sense of this message so far? Probably not helpful that I'm being confusing, but what has it meant to you? What does choosing Christ mean? How do we put away that lust? Is it a sacrifice of all the video games that we want to play? I don't know what girls do. Is it a sacrifice of taking pictures of each other in scenic places? That's all I ever imagined. I don't know what you guys do. It's all Rebecca does. Is it more about you than the pursuit of lost souls who desperately need salvation? But they can't have it because we lost that power when all salvation means to us is I don't have to worry about my future and I guess I just kind of do this now. I go to church on Sundays, I go to prayer, I go to Bible study, X, Y, Z. That's just what I do now. John 15 verse four says, abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, except it abide in the vine, no more can ye, except ye abide in me. Verse 15 of that same chapter. Henceforth I call you not servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. Remember, remember Galatians 4, as long as he is a child, he differeth nothing from a servant. But then John 15, 15. I don't call you servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth. But I have called you friends. For all things that I have heard of my Father, I have made known unto you. So we're servants, but Jesus has made known everything that's commanded to us. Where, how, what do you mean? What do you mean he's made everything known? Well, the word of God. He gave you the word of God to let you know everything. We aren't even poorly treated servants. Right? Sometimes you think of a servant, you think of a rough lifestyle. Maybe you sleep out in the, the I don't know, the just shack. I don't know, whatever you picture as a servant being. But we're not even poorly treated servants. 
we're so privileged and he's provided everything for us. He died for us, but it's still not enough. We still wrestle with the lust of our eyes and the lust of our flesh and the pride of life. Second Peter chapter 1, verses 16 through 21. For we have not followed cunningly devised fables when we made known unto you the power and coming of our Lord Jesus Christ, but were eyewitnesses of his majesty. For he received from God the Father honor and glory when there came such a voice to him from the excellent glory. This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And this voice which came from heaven we heard when we were with him in the holy mount. Peter and these other guys, they, they were in the holy mount with Jesus when he was transfigured. When God spoke and said, this is my beloved son, they were there, they saw it. And then 19, he says, we have also a more sure word of prophecy, whereunto ye do well that ye take heed that ye take heed as unto a light that shineth in a dark place until the day dawn and the day star arise in your hearts, knowing this first, that no prophecy of the scripture is of any private interpretation, for the prophecy came not in old time by the will of man, but holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. Peter saw Jesus Christ, and he, he says, now seeing the word of God, that that's better. That the Bible is better than having Jesus Christ in front of you. It's a crazy thought, right? Sometimes I, I think I would rather Jesus be sitting next to me than having the Bible, but it's not true. It's not true. Um, so we, at Brian, we did this Deuteronomy study for the guys preaching thing, and, and Brian did Deuteronomy 5, and it was, it was awesome, but I just have to steal a little bit of it because it was so good and fit so well. But if you flip over to Deuteronomy 5, um, verses 23 through 31 is where I'll read. But this is another story of God's people, God trying to interact with them. It says, And it came to pass, when ye heard the voice out of the midst of the darkness, for the mountain did burn with fire, that ye came near unto me, even all the heads of your tribes and your elders. And ye said, Behold, the Lord our God hath shewed us his glory and his greatness, and we have heard his voice out of the midst of the fire. We have seen this day that God doth talk with man, and he liveth. Now, therefore, why should we die? Why should we die? For this great fire will consume us, Wait, didn't you just say that we heard his voice out of the midst of the fire and we see that God doth talk with man and he liveth? That's what they just said. But now they're saying this great fire will consume us. If we hear the voice of the Lord our God any more than we shall die, for who is there of all flesh that hath heard the voice of the living God speaking out of the midst of the fire as we have and lived? Well, you're, you hypocrites, you just did it. 
Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. This is the people saying to Moses. Go thou near and hear all that the Lord our God shall say. And speak thou unto us all that the Lord our God shall speak unto thee. And we will hear it and do it. They say, we don't want to go up into the mountain. It's really scary. Moses, why don't you go up and you tell us what God says? I don't know if that's sunk in yet. So, I have the word of God on my kitchen table or something. I don't want, I don't want to risk my life, my flesh being burned. I don't want to risk myself being consumed by the fire. Sam Miles, it's enough. Brandon Briscoe, it's enough that you go to the fire and you just tell me what to do and I'll do it. Because I don't want to die. I don't want to be burned. But why don't, why don't you go up to the fire and you commune with God and come back and tell me. That's what they just said. They said they don't want to go up and be with God. Moses, you go up and be with God. Just tell me what he wants. And the sucky thing is that God gives them what they want. God will give you what you want. And the Lord heard the voice of your words when ye spake unto me. This is Moses talking now. And the Lord said unto me, I have heard the voice of the words of this people which they have spoken unto thee. They have well said all that they have spoken. They have well said all that they've spoken. Oh, that there were such an heart in them that they would fear me, not the fire, that they would fear God rather than the fire. And keep all my commandments always, that it might be well with them and with their children forever. Go, say to them, get you into your tents again. Go back, go back to your houses. Go back to your tents. Go back to your families. Go back to watching football. Go back to taking pictures of your friends in scenic locations. Go back, it's fine. Go, go be comfortable. But as for thee, Moses, stand thou here by me, and I will speak unto thee all the commandments and the statutes and the judgments, judgments, which thou shalt, which, dang. And the judgments which thou shalt teach them, that they may do them in the land which I give them to possess it. God says, fine, everyone else go. Go back, it's, it's okay. Moses, you stay here. I'll, I'll talk to you. I'll spend time with you. Instead of spending time with God, instead of us going and being with God and risking that our fleshly desires burn away by the presence of that fire, instead of that, we choose to make ourselves available to lust by ignoring the only means we have of overcoming it. If you don't let your flesh be burned away, then you are saying, I'm fine with keeping it and risking it dictating my actions. We fear losing the opportunity to sin more than we fear God. Does that make sense? We would rather, 
risk sinning than give up on sin altogether. But you know what? God wanted all of them. He wanted each and every person. He wanted each and every member of Midtown Baptist Temple. He wants each and every person here to be able to come up into the mountain, come up by the fire, fear the fire, fear God, and to spend time with you. He wants to do that with every single one of us. The problem is we don't want it. And we say, ah, you can do that with Brandon. He'll tell me what he said. You can do that with my Bible study leader. They'll, they'll tell me when I've strayed. Our, our, our pastors can do that. Oh, you have a prayer request? I'm sure Taylor Lyon will pray about it. He's always praying. God wanted you to do that. God died for you. He made himself into a book so that you could hang out with him every day. He gave you the Holy Spirit so that you could understand that conversation. He, the almighty God, creator of the universe, wants friendship with you. Like, it's, you know, we can be friends whatever, just friends with each other. But God wants to be your friend. So 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, tablet died. The beginning of it. When he says, moreover, brethren, I would not that ye should be ignorant. They were all drinking the same drink. They were all eating the same spiritual meat. They, they, they were all following the rock. They were all following Christ. That's what we're doing. We're all sitting together at Bible study. We're all praising the same songs together. We're all reading the same Bible. We're all listening to the same pastors. But don't be ignorant of this. Because those people, they lusted after evil things. They were idolaters. They sat down to eat and drink, but then they rose right up to play. They committed fornication, and th thousands of them died. They tempted Christ. They were murmurers. Not only were they letting, you know, Brandon be the guy that hears from, from the Lord, that wasn't enough for them. They had to bicker and murmur and question the way he did it. They weren't satisfied with, you know, Moses being the one that goes up and talks to God, but now I'm going to make it hard for him when he comes back down. Wherefore, let him that thinketh he standeth take heed lest he fall. There hath no temptation taken you but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you to be tempted above that ye are able but will, with the temptation, also make a way to escape, that ye may be able to bear it. 
This chapter is asking you to count God worth it. Is it worth it? Have we, we've accepted Christ, maybe. Maybe you haven't, and we'll talk about that in a second. But is it worth it? You've accepted Christ, and what he's willing to do is to live through you. But we have to count the cost. Am I I really willing to stop sinning? Am I really okay with never stumbling up and watching pornography again? Am I really okay with never having a hard time and, I don't know, hooking up, I don't know, going to, I don't know, going to a party? Am I really okay with never sinning again? We have to take that up to the fire and let it be consumed because God wants to hang out with us. Fear God, not the fire. Fear God, not losing your life. This chapter is asking us to count the mission worth it. To, to count God worth it. Are we ready to die to ourselves? Have we counted the cost? Are we ready to let yourself, let ourselves be burned by the fire of God so that we can be with him? At the end of that chapter, you know, Paul's kind of saying the summation of what, what he was, why he was saying what he was saying. It says, whether therefore ye eat or drink, or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. I don't, I don't worry about what my sin is. I don't worry about wanting to do things. I've put it all away, and I've been consumed, and I live. Christ lives through me, even as I please all men in all things, not seeking mine own profit, but the profit of any, that they may be saved. For a chance that someone doesn't have to go to hell. If your life, if you don't ever get to do anything fun, which we get to do fun things, but even if, even if you could never do anything fun again, would it be worth it for one other person to not go to hell? Would you trade that? If you wouldn't, I mean, I don't know what to tell you. Because the the fact is that God doesn't even require that. He doesn't even require us to live a not fun life. He just wants us. He just wants us to lay it all down. There's a quote I have from uh, Born Crucified by L.E. Maxwell. Super good book. Uh, You should definitely read it if you haven't. But it says, he says, um, the church is full of Christian professors and ministers, Sunday school teachers and workers, evangelists and missionaries in whom the gifts of the Spirit are very manifest and who bring blessing to multitudes. However, when known close up, they are found to be full of self. They maybe have forsaken all for Christ and imagine they would be ready like the disciples of old to die for their master, but deep down in their hidden private lives there lurks that dark, sinister power of self. Such persons may wonder all the while why they do not have victory over their wounded pride, their touchiness, their greediness, their lovelessness, their failure to experience the promised rivers of living water. Ah, the secret is not far away. They secretly and habitually practice shrine worship at the shrine of self. There they bow daily and do obeisance. They are fundamental. In the outward cross they glory but inwardly they worship another god and stretch out their hands to serve a pitied, petted, and pampered lifestyle. 
He's observed that in people around him. You know, and if we're honest, a lot of us haven't died to self. A lot of us still struggle that, with that. I struggle with it, right? It's hard to wake up every day and die again and die again and die again, but it's less hard the more you do it, the more you see how precious this book is, the more you let the Holy Spirit speak to you through the words of God and write it on your heart, the more you experience God working in your life, doing something that you can't explain, the more you see God when you've, when you've prayed to him, specifically answer your prayers, it's hard to walk away from that. It's hard to choose sin again or my flesh when I see God at work. When I see, when I see him save somebody, um, man, me and my wife, um, so Havila got to spend a lot of time with um, Hannah Oswald early on. And it was a long time um, that we just hung out with her and Jonah. We'd go over there and play Settlers of Catan. See, it's fun being with God. You get to play games. We'd play Settlers of Catan and, and eat dinner, and they'd come over, we'd go over, and we'd be praying for them fervently. We'd pray for them all the time. But man, that night, when that person you've been praying for finally hears the gospel for what it is, and you get that text or that call, or you, that person accepts Jesus Christ, the whole reason for pursuing them, more than just being friends, more than just hanging out with them, when that person doesn't have to go to hell, and you know that Jesus Christ used you in whatever way, and you know that, that, that she, that that person, gets to have Jesus Christ in their life, you're going to trade that for, for what? What would you trade that for? Being able to play some video games a little more? There's nothing you'd trade that for. It's the most precious thing in, to be in the mission, to be used like that. It's the most precious thing. Fill yourself with that. The Bible is filled with it because that's what's doing. It's the spirit of Christ resonating in someone else's life. So we sit down, we open up the Bible, and we go up the mountain, right? We don't have to be like those people. We're, we're like, we can be like Moses, because all that was required was that we go up to the mountain and not be afraid to lose our lives, not be afraid to not do what I want, not be afraid to lose my opinions. I don't have to be afraid to be wrong. I don't have to be afraid of anything. I just fear God, and I'm just going to spend time with him, and he'll, he'll tell me his commandments. He'll tell me his desires. And then, more than just the Old Testament, now he made it even easier. He, he became Jesus Christ and died and lives through me. And now he'll help me even make those decisions. He'll help me, he'll help me to, to see what's going on when I am frozen between decisions or when I have a big career opportunity or a life, whatever. Christ just wants to be with us. Man, and if you don't know... If you don't know who Jesus Christ is or, or you can't say that you've experienced Jesus Christ in your life, I, all I can say is that it's the most amazing thing. 
It's the most precious gift. God, the creator of the universe, became man. We just read it in Philippians 2. It wasn't robbery for Jesus to think of himself equal with God. But man, he became human. And it's not even, it's not even God becoming a worm or us becoming a worm and, and saving the worms. He let those other worms make fun of him and call him names and torture him and not believe in him. God did that in Jesus Christ, and he did all that and died on a cross. He climbed up onto a cross, and they crucified him. They killed him. And he died, but three days later, he was resurrected. Death didn't have any sting, didn't have any victory over Jesus Christ, and he rose up from the grave. And now, all we have to do is believe in Jesus Christ And we don't have to be the people going down on the mountain. We don't have to be sinners destined for hell because of this wickedness in our flesh. All we do is pray and accept Jesus Christ, and we're saved. We can have friendship with God Almighty. We can have access to that that fire. And so if you have more questions about that, there's all kinds of people sitting around you. There'll be people down front. Um, If the praise team wants to go ahead and come on down, we'll... We'll pray and and close out. Um, Yeah, so let's just let's just bow our heads and pray and let let the Spirit talk to us. Father, we love you, um, and we're just so thankful for you, for who you are, for how patient and long-suffering you are. God, for how many chances you give us. Um, God, you've given me countless chances, and I I can't ever be grateful enough. God, if any of us here today, um, the message resonated with, Lord, that, that we haven't really died to self, that we haven't really counted the cost, or we're still holding back from you, God, I pray that we wouldn't just leave it up to Brandon or to Sam or for other leaders in our lives. God, that we would see that you're calling us. God, that we would be bold to come forward and pray with somebody about it, to not let it go on, not not just pray about it later, not just go home and deal with it and then watch TV or Netflix and forget about it until next week. God, that we would make a decision, that we would give our lives over to you. Or if there's anybody here today that's, that's lost, that doesn't know you, Lord, I pray that they would be bold and that they would come forward and that we would be able to pray with them and and help them to see that it's as easy as saying a prayer and giving up on your life to have Jesus Christ. Lord, we love you, and, and again, we just are so thankful for who you are, for your Bible, for how accessible you are, for how loving you are. Lord, help us to be walking worthy of you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. that today's message encouraged you to follow Christ in his word. For more information about Kaya, for service times and information about our disciple-making ministry, please visit our website at caya.live.